What's up, everybody? Uh, I want to welcome you to a new podcast that uh, me, Jamal Murphy, and Khalid Green. What's uh, up? What's up? What's up? Uh, we're putting together, and it's called Up Next, where we let you know what's up next in the world of youth sports, what's happening behind the scenes in youth sports, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we talk to insiders and experts in the field. And you'll also hear from some of these future stars themselves as we move forward. What's up, Khalid? Uh, tell the people a little, bit, a little bit about yourself. Obviously, you know, most people know you're an ex-NBA scout, but you've, you've done a whole lot in this basketball game. Yeah, man. I've been a graduate assistant at LIU. We went to the NCAA tournament under Ray Haskins in the 90s. I've been an assistant coach at Benjamin Banneker High School, Lincoln High School, when we won our first championship with Sebastian Telfair. Uh, Bishop Lachlan, varsity coach for five years, uh, AAU uh, director with Gary Charles and the New York Panthers, as well as director of Juice All-Stars. And yes, like you said, nine years, Brooklyn scout with the Brooklyn Nets, or NBA scout with the Brooklyn Nets. Great stuff, great stuff. And, and just so people know my background, I'm a sports writer uh, slash attorney contributing writer to the to ESPN's The Undefeated, uh, USA Today Sports and CBS Sports. On the basketball tip, um, actually coach, coach JV and uh, was an assistant coach at Poly Prep in the city, uh, my alma mater where I played four years varsity there. Tough, some tough times, there was a lot of competition. <laughs> there was a lot of comp back, back then uh, uh -huh. in, in New York City. So, you know, youth sports, basketball, definitely something uh, dear to my heart as well. Also spent some time as an agent trying to play some kids overseas. You know, we'll, we're going to get into all, all youth sports. It's not going to be just basketball. Um, right. It'll be, you know, all sports. What are we talking? Tennis, football, what, what else? Tennis, soccer, basketball, baseball, football. Uh, I might go out to Flatbush and deal with paddle ball. Like we're, we're into <laughs> everything. <laughs> That's what and I'm talking to, about. And I know my mother's listening, so I have to throw in the fact that I have a sports management degree from Columbia University. There you uh, go. Masters. So all right, all right. Shout out to Columbia. Word. <laughs> yeah, that, that's 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 big time right there. Yeah, absolutely. Time. So uh, our first our first episode, we're starting off with a legend in the game, Gary Charles, uh, grassroots basketball legend, founder, coach of the New York Panthers, ABCD Camp Assistant Director, uh, founder and president of Las Vegas Fab 48 Big Time Tourney, and maybe most importantly and most recently founder of ABIS Advancement of Blacks in Sports. Uh, so we, we got a chance to sit down and talk with the great Gary Charles, and he started off uh, by telling us how he got started in this game. So check it out. So, uh I went to college at Cheney State, HBCU school, and Coach John Cheney was actually my physical education teacher at that time, and he was also the men's basketball coach. So they were really good. They had won the national championship maybe a year, two years before that in Division II. Uh, and Coach Vivian Stringer, who's now at Rutgers, was the women's coach. Uh, they were phenomenal. The women were so good that when we played pickup games, we would choose some of the women on our side, okay? Because mm. if you allow them to play together, they, 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 they would whip out behind, so to speak, because they were that good. So from there, after I graduated, the OGs in my town, uh, Bozo up Long Island, asked me to get involved because obviously they were getting out of age and they said, look, Gary, we're there for you. We need some people to get uh, to be there for these young kids who are coming up. How could I refuse? Uh, because without them, I'm not sure where I would have been because they were unbelievable uh, to me in our one square mile town. And understand our one square mile town that because it was, we're in the suburb, so every season you play that particular sport and they were all there for us, travel, whatever. So we played we play basketball, I played basketball, baseball, football, track and field. I even bowled, okay? There was no such thing about you staying home. You were active, okay? Right. So, and these old heads were there for us in every single aspect of all of that. So I had to say yes. So initially I created like a two, 300 um, uh, basketball event in Roosevelt, uh, a league 
And within that league, I picked the top players and I said, let me travel with them. About two or three tournaments. And one of them was the little lad. And the little lad at the time was in Jersey. And the little lad was something that I played in when I was young. So that's how I knew about the little lad. And uh, uh, through those events, I found out that there was a bigger picture out there. And we played a game against uh, a player who dropped 40 on us. And I said, what the, I'm like, what's going on here? Because I, I, you know, because I wasn't expecting this. I'm, I'm with my little guy from Long Island, right? And the kid's name was Travis Best, okay? Mm -hmm. And that opened up my eyes uh, as to the opportunity that was out there. So then we go to Lola. So that tournament was in Delaware. It was called a, a Jim Duty, the Delaware Shootout by a gentleman by the name of Jim Duty. So we go to the little lad, and I see a young kid. God, let me say this to y'all. He walked in the gym. He looked like a pro. He walked like a pro. He acted like a pro. And he's carrying the balls now. He's the one carrying the balls in his back with just his presence. I didn't know who he was. And I'm like, hey, guys, we're not leaving yet, because I wanted to see the kid play. I watched this kid play, and I said, whoa. And the kid turned out to be Stefan Marbury. Mm. <laughs> right. that's, that's, that's funny that you, that it's Stefan Marbury, <laughs> but looking like a pro, because he looked, I played against him in CYO, uh, like all my CYO years. And I was a year older than him. And we were on the fifth grade team. He was on a fourth grade team. He looked like a pro in fourth grade. Okay. Correct. So, so yeah. I'm telling you, I'm not sure if at the time he was more than 12 or 13. When I saw him, okay, that, that's when I'm telling you how young he was. And, and Khalid, let me tell you who was coaching him. It was a Dermot player was coaching him in a mm. program called Young Life. Right. It wasn't a gaucho then, it was Young Life. But after the game, the gauchos were playing. So I watched him a little bit, and I'm like, wow, coach, you guys are really good. And I said, yeah, let me go. Our season is over. Now, this is March. He said, your season is over. I'm like, yeah, our season's over. He said, man, let me tell you something. If you really want to get good at this, you better play this 24-7. <laughs> I had never heard the term 24-7. Again now, understand where I'm coming from now. I'm like, 24-7? He said, yeah. Every single day of the week, all day, 24 hours, seven days a week. I'm like, oh, okay. That's what you mean, because I'm about to get these guys ready for baseball. Okay. Right. And, and he's saying, we're just getting started. So think about this, Khalid, that this is the end of March. I'm saying we're done. Right. And, and, as you know, right At now, the end of March, yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's the beginning. <laughs> that's just the beginning. So, so that was my education, you know, at that time. So then I realized that I didn't have to deal with some of these knuckleheads. I need to go out there and get the better place in Long Island to give them the opportunity for exposure, okay? Because no one knew. None of these coaches in Long Island was really getting scholarship for these kids. It was like, go to your JUCO, go to D2, whatever. Or, or once the season was over, I'll see you next season. Because they were teachers. Right. They weren't thinking about working with these kids every single day. That's not the way it was back then. Out here, maybe certain coaches in the city, but right. definitely not out here You know, in Long Island. And remember now. There wasn't a traveling team in Long Island at the time. I was the first one. And then I went through stuff because they thought I was up for something. So that, that took a while for them to understand I was in this for the right reason. And I think it helped in that when I got up with Sonny and that I was getting them free shoes at their school. So that probably that helped smooth them over. But right. my, my world totally changed meeting Sonny Bacal. That changed everything. Um, I received a phone call from Howard Garfinkel one day who said, Gary, do you know Sonny McCall? Have you heard his name? I was like, yeah, I've heard of his name. Well, he would like to meet you. For what, Mr. Garfinkel? Well, he's about to start a camp. He left Nike, and he wants to create his own camp, and he wants mm. your kid. At that time, my kid, Zenon Hamilton, was considered top five in the country, along with Felipe, Allen Iverson, Antoine Walker, I think Danny Forsen might have been the other one, but that was the top five at the time, however you want to pick it. So I said, okay, before cell phone, fellas, this is before cell phones. Right. And 
So he said, okay, he'll call you soon. I said, okay, I hang up the phone. I'm like, wow, Sonny McCall, the guy who gave Michael Jordan a shoe deal. Right. I'm not thinking. So I hang up the phone and I go to go take a shower. I stick one foot in the tub and the phone goes, <laughs> bling. I'm like, who's this now? I take my foot out, grab the phone. Gary Charles? Yes. Sonny McCall's here. That quick. I'm telling you, maybe it's two minutes. Okay, so so golf must have called him. Sonny must have hung up. Said, "I'm calling right now." And Sonny called and he said to me, "Come to the Final Four uh, in Minnesota." He said, "You ever been?" I said, "I've never been." He said, "Why don't you come to the Final Four and then we can really talk?" I get to the Final Four, and if you guys ever been there, mm. the hotel where all the coaches are at—it's like a meat market. It is yeah. unreal. It's crazy. And in Absolutely. the middle of all of this, one person sticks out. It was the biggest head I've ever seen in my life. It was unbelievable. And that head was John Thompson's head, okay? That's mm. stuck out. But of course, I can't find Sonny, so I called the room and he said, come on up. I go upstairs, he's in a, a robe, okay? In a robe. And I looked over and his wife is in a robe, Pam. One of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life. And again, you know, remember the time, guys. <laughs> so, like, what? I'm like, I'm looking at Sonny, I'm looking at her. Something's not matching here. This woman's gorgeous over here. What's going on? Now, you know how we are here in the city, right? So he's going on with his pitch. So he finally goes, I'm going to need you. I'm going to make you my first guy, give a shoe deal to, blah, 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 look out. And I'm going to need you get other people when I start the grassroots. I have a vision. I want you to be part of that vision. Are you with me? And he sticks out his hand. He said, all we need is a handshake. I'm a handshake guy. So I look at him. Then I looked at Pam. I looked at him. Then I looked at Pam again. So I come back and I said to myself, any man that looks like him that could get a woman that looked like her must know what he's doing. I'm in, baby. <laughs> oh, wow. Sonny loves that story. But it's hey. true. Because right. you know what? I'm like, this man must know what he's doing. And um, obviously, it's been unbelievable ever since. And it's amazing in that we went as a program from writing our numbers on a t shirt. But now, all of a sudden, him saying, go to the convention hall, go order some uniforms. And I went and ordered some uniforms. And I remember we put those uniforms on. And it was at the Delaware shootout again. Mm. It was almost we had been transformed into a great program. Okay. <laughs> right. Like, right. From the uniform. It was Yeah. That know, makes it a really, difference. It was special. It was yep. special. And that's how we, you know, we end up getting started. But moving forward, I got close with Joe Bryant's um um with Joe Bryant, you know, Kobe's dad. Because he was recruiting a player for my program and he was the assistant coach at LaSalle. And most people forget that, mm. that he was coaching. So because he was a dad, he was allowed to go to any tournament. And back then, eight or nine of the tournaments were doing the dead period. We didn't care. We did ball. Right. So a lot of the tournaments, he's there. Okay, even there, other coaches couldn't be there. So he would watch us play, and then he would ask me to watch his son play. And it was always a thing. Joe would say, did you see that jump shot that he made? And then Kobe would run down the court. Hey, did you see that jump shot? Yeah. So come back. Kobe would dunk. Boom. And then the dad would like rip me. Did you see that dunk? I'm like, yeah. Kobe come down. Did you see that dunk? Yeah. What the hell is this? You know? <laughs> but that's the way they both were. And that's the way Kobe was. Kobe was probably uh, the most um, ferocious player I ever saw. Him and Kevin Garnett were the two. Okay. Kobe would beat his mama, you know, 20 zip. Okay. That's just, that was his mindset. That was Kobe. And we kept talking. And I had to tell Sonny one day, and I said, you know, and Felipe don't get upset. But I went to Sonny one day and I said, Sonny, you know who the next guy is? He said, well, yeah, we got Felipe coming. I'm like, nah, Sonny. It's this kid named Kobe Bryant. He's like, what? He said, his dad played for me at the round ball. Sonny, his son is special. 
Um, of course, Kobe comes to the camp and everything else. And God, let me tell you this. Again, remember that's before softball. At some point, Joe and I have a conversation in that Kobe wants to go pro out of high school. Now, that was unheard of. Kevin Garnett right. did. Kevin Garnett was 6'10". Right. The last one. Right. But Kobe right. was 6'6". So people never looked at that. You know, Moses Malone had done it. But again, you know, tall guys. So I said to the dad, don't tell anyone. Because now I don't want anyone. When I say anyone, I meant Nike, really, <laughs> to come after me. <laughs> right? So... So we are literally, we are literally now, Joe and I, because now we have a meeting. But let me tell you what's crazy, guys. And understand, it might sound funny now, but this is the way it was back then. If you went home, you just didn't get that damn phone call. So I would drive to Philly to have a meeting with him. He would drive to Long Island to have a meeting with me, okay? And actually, one time, I forgot we had a meeting. I missed it. And when he finally got me a week later, he said, we're having our meeting. I said, what do you mean? He said, we were supposed to meet at your house. I said, what? How long did you wait? He said, two hours. I said, what did you do? He said, well, I was counting your flowers. You had the pink ones, the purple one, blah, blah, blah. He said, that's right. And we laughed, but that's what was going on back then. If you didn't right. get the person at home, you just didn't get them. That's how right. I went. So then Sonny moved to New York City. So people thought now Sonny was moving to New York City because of Felipe, because he was at St. John. Right. And, and Lamar Odom, who we now knew was coming up, because now at some point I said, Sonny, we got another one, okay? So people thought he moved for that. No, it was Kobe. And what mm. we would do, and it was another gentleman, it was three of us, we used to call ourselves the Three Musketeers. It was Sonny and I and Thad Fouché, okay? It was the three of us. Thad was the super, the super agent. Super agent now, he's a super yeah, agent. Yeah, super agent Thad now, yeah. was, the grassroots coach for the New Orleans Jazz. Mm. This is important. So it was the three of us. So we'll fly in. We would drive to Philly and watch the Villanova game. Why? Kerry Kittles was playing for Villanova at the time, but Kerry Kittles played for Thad. So mm. people thought we're trying to get Kerry, right? Kobe Bryant lived five minutes from Villanova. So that was the pretense. So we always timed it when Villanova was playing there. Game right. over. We say quick goodbye to Kerry. <laughs> Get in our car and take off to Kobe's house and the family. Okay? And I thought it was so funny because I, I remember one time Sonny was eating and he took his coffee, he poured it in his cereal. We had a conversation. I'm like, damn, did you just pour coffee in your cereal? He said, yeah, that's the thing I have. I'm like, damn, Sonny, okay. There's a lot of things about people when you get closer and closer. Right, right, right. That never left my mind. But that was the making of getting a deal put together, though, with Kobe Bryant. Mm. Now, here's something that people don't know. Now they're going to know. With Kobe Bryant now coming to Adidas, Nike, when they found out, raised all kind of hell. How did we miss out on that? And obviously, some of the people were saying, well, Gary Charles, but, but what else Gary Charles? Okay. They created their grassroots division. So that's why I tell people sometimes, you know, put a little oomph to your damn voice when you mention Sonny's name, my name, or Kobe's name, because you right. know, it helped create a lot of jobs. Anom, Reebok, Adidas, right. where you are, it all stemmed from Kobe Bryant with the signing of Kobe Bryant, okay? Now everyone felt they had to have a grassroots program to get the next one. So that was wow. the question. Wow. Who, who are some of the other guys, because you, you've, you know, you you were affiliated with a lot of pros. Who were some of the other guys that you worked with from from well, that time I, I from that time to to now? Out of our program, that Khalid was uh, a big part of that. You know, also beside Lamar, you know, we coached. Uh, we had Danny Green, uh, Joe Kim Noah, um, um, Speedy Claxton, Lance. Stevens I gotta ask. I gotta ask you this before you go, Gee. Mm -hmm. Before you go ahead, this might get you in trouble. Uh -oh. Who are your top? Five Panthers of all time. Oh, here we go. Uh oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> you know, um, people have asked me that, and I've tried to avoid it like the plague. Okay, <laughs> like you know, it's like right now I'm trying. I try to avoid it like the pandemic right now, right? <laughs> so, um, first of all, the first one is easy. Lamar Odom was the most talented player that I've ever coached. Mm, okay? Right. Uh, period. So. 
Lamar is one. I think it would be hard for me to leave Wally Zerbiak out. Wally Zerbiak was the best shooter I ever had. Mm. Wally Zerbiak, at ISA, guys, in the beginning, we won three straight championships at ISA when we first came on. We, we, we were one of the team that people tell you that helped create ISA to what it had become because the Gotchas and Riverside weren't playing in there. So we decided mm. to start to play, and then other teams started to come. Um, Wally Zerbiak ended up being an MVP one year. We won a three straight time, but remember it was a spring, fall, spring. Right, we did, right. We did that. So Wally um, would be, and Pete, by the way, had a great line about Wally. He would go, Wally Zerbiak doesn't care nothing about you. You know, every time <laughs> Pete Edwards. Shout out, shout out to Pete Edwards, man. The legendary, the legendary tournament director. Was, was uh, Zerbiak's father was a was a player, or he was he was some kind of player his in the father, game? His father at that time was uh, a scout for overseas, and he was a former player. He was good. He mm. had actually played in Sonny's game. Mm. So I never forget when I called Sonny to say, Sonny. Uh, I have a kid. I really need you to put him in a camp. He said, what's the kid's name? I said, Wally Zerbiak. He said, Walt Zerbiak, son! I said, yes. He said, what? I said, yeah, so then he's good. So Wally, I would say to you, is on that team. Okay? That's number two. That's two. That's two. Now, we've had phenomenal guards. And that's what makes it difficult. Because Skip to my Lou was unbelievable. Okay? Skip was real. I'm not sure if we lost too many games with Speedy Claxton. Mm. Speedy Claxton, people won't remember. You know, when we were beating Riverside at that time, that's why, you know, I think Eric Barkley, he put something out there that he never lost to the Panthers three times. No, you did. You did. <laughs> and, then I, and then I put it out on Instagram because I'm like, okay, now you want me, I have to show you where right. we did. And what you was the amazing seen. thing about it, and this is why Speedy would have to be one, even though maybe some other guys are whatever. We won Portchester. Y'all remember the CYP tournament in Portchester? I do. Speedy got the MVP. Now, let me tell you a true story about that one, okay? And, you know, I'm going back and forth, but it's good stories. We win the MVP, but I have to rush. And I'm rushing because I think we had a meeting in the city with Joe Bryant and Sonny. We in the city. I'm only sure about that time. So, you know, hey, I'm proud, man. We just want, we just beat Riverside. We have beaten Riverside right. in the championship. So I haul down 95 to get in the city and I have my trophy in my hand. I'm proud. I take my trophy. And you know, Sonny, he's living lost. So he's got a big old sweep and everything, right? I run in there like, we won, we won. And I'm <laughs> running around the room with my trophy and everything, right? And Joe's sitting there smiling. And Sonny looked at me like, Will you sit your ass down? <laughs> We're about to cut a deal for a couple million dollars and you worry about some damn tournament or somewhere. And so Joe busts out laughing. I'm like, but Sonny, it's Porchester. You don't understand, baby. So, you know, so I always remember that. Remember that. And Joe's reminded me that story. So Speedy has to be on there just because of where he took us to. Okay. Right. And, and here's the thing I tell people all the time. When you ask people, what do you mean about your best player? Because here's what happened. Are you talking about the guy that became your best pros? Right. Are you talking about at that time? Because it's different, as right. we know. It's kind of like Sonny asked me. Sonny's doing his book. His book's about finish. And he said to me, Gary, I need you to tell me our all-time ABCD campus. And I said, are you talking about the ones back then or the guys who became big-time pros who maybe we didn't have as good of a camp? Right. There's a difference because There's a difference. remember the big names, mm -hmm. even though maybe they weren't uh, the people there. Uh, so Speedy Claxton did so much for us, it would be hard for me to leave him out. My and he's a pro. Day. On top of that, he was, he was a pro. Was nine, ten years, pro. right? Yeah. yeah. No, no, he was a pro. Unreal. All right. Now, this is where it gets tricky because let's say if I put Speedy at the one. So who's my two? I'm going to tell you the kid that even if I wanted to, that I can't leave out because he was the most ferocious player that I coached. He just, man, that was Khalid Alami. Mm. 
Khalid and Ami was was. I love his name. Love the yeah. name, baby. <laughs> when I tell you, man, he feared no one. We went to a tournament in in uh, L.A. and we were playing against Shea Cotton Squad. Now, for people out there who don't know, Shea Cotton was LeBron before LeBron. Shea right. Cotton was Mister Everything. Their team, Southern Cal, had not lost in two years. I was told. It was so we had to play in in, in the semi. Okay. Sonny has sent us these sweatsuits. The sweatsuits had hoodies on the sweatsuits. They had a kid named Kenny Brunham, who was Mr. Everything, their guard. But he was also a gang member. <laughs> and as we're walking out after the game before we had to play there, now it's the, I think it's the semi. Gang members are doing signs to him. And we're like, here we go. Here we go. We're in LA, here's what we gotta deal with, right? Right, right? right. Now, Riverside was playing also. I'm trying to remember. Now, this is the year, guys, in which where they won everything. Okay? They went 56 and 1. Well, guess what? I was there in the game they lost. They lost to Baron Davidson out there. Mm. Okay? So they loaded with Elton Brand and uh 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 Ron Artest, Eric Barkley, Reggie Jesse, Reggie Jesse, Anthony Glover, they loaded. Now, again, let me say this to the people out there. This is why it bothers me that people keep saying, or oh, Ronald said, Lamar was on that team. Lamar was not on that team. He was with us. It's the same year. I think you do a disservice to the other kids on Riverside when you say Lamar was on the team, too. That's not true. Right. Respect right. all those kids that you had on that team. Stop saying Lamar was on that team. Lamar was with right. us. So we out there, and I tell the guys, put the sweatsuits on, it's like 90 degrees now. Put them on, we're gonna put the hoodies over our head. We put the hoodies over our head. And by the way, Khalid, you could call Coach Carl Hobbs, because he's a head. Coach, right. Coach Carl Hobbs is a Rutgers now, but at the time he's a right. coach at UConn. Okay, right. he's recruiting Khalid and Lamar and everybody else, right? We had like eight, eight like, well, actually the whole team was stuck. It was, it was 12 Division One players on the team. Again, this was before, there was a grassroots team in every corner, okay? Right, right. Mm -hmm. So the guys put the hoodies on, and we march in there, single file. We march. So this was before the Oakland soldiers, soldiers. We march <laughs> in there, single file, okay? So people are like, what the? The game gets started. Here's what was different, though, about this tournament. It was called the Izzy Washington tournament. You had to play five guys in the first quarter. Then you had to play another five guys in the second quarter. Mm. And you had to mix in maybe the 11th and 12th man in between if you had more than those 10 guys, okay? Man, we were down 12 points after the first quarter. I say Khalid for the second quarter. I think I had Lamar in the first quarter. And we had Kareem Shabazz, a seven footer. And Shea Cotton came from the baseline. Kareem Shabazz put his hand up. Kareem Shabazz is already seven feet, so his hand is up like seven five. Shea Cotton came from the baseline. He went up and he saw Kareem's hand go up. He went under Kareem and came back and dunked. And I was like, oh, Lord, <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, Lord, we're in trouble over here. Because I had been hearing about him, but I hadn't seen him play. To this day, it's one of the best dunks I ever saw in my life. Unreal. So, but now the second quarter start. Khalid is going to work. So now the, the gangs are starting to do some gang signs. So all of a sudden, somebody's taking the fire shot. I looked at Khalid. He's doing gang signs back to them. I said, oh, my God. So, like, I ain't scared of y'all. Dude, we end up winning the game. The place goes crazy. But you know what? You know what I do? Chill. Put them back on. I make everybody put the hoodies on, and we walk out single file again. Back, 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 back. People went crazy. Okay, that was the Panthers back then. Mm. And then we, and then we get outside. We laugh, and then we were like, "All right, let's go back in and watch the game." Where was uh, where's Elamine from? Minnesota. Minnesota. 
Okay. By the way, I'm one of the reasons why they changed the rules about, you know, only boarding in states, okay? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Who's Minnesota? the fifth? Who's the fifth, Guy? Huh? Who's the fifth? That's only four, baby. <laughs> is that, that's four. That's three four. That, that's, How many four. That's four. Clax, that's four. Claxton. Woo! Lamar. Um, Speedy. Speedy. Yeah, Speedy, Lamar, Elamine. No, nah, that's three, I think. Wally. Wally Zerbiak. Oh, Wally. Yeah, Wally yeah, Zerbiak. That's four. four. Yeah. yeah. So, so again, I could tell you uh, the fifth is um, uh, Charlie in the waiver. I could tell you that is Danny Green. I could tell you, and I'm going to say this to you all. This kid was phenomenal. I kept telling people back in the day, but he didn't get in the pros right away. He had to wait. But I kept telling people, this was one of the best kids I had, Lance Thomas. Was a, mm. a tremendous player, you know. Back Still in the league, yeah, right? mm -hmm. exactly. But back, remember now, he didn't. He went down to Duke. All he was doing was pick and roll, right? Pick and roll. Yeah. All right. And I told him be careful. But anyway, so there's there's a bunch of guys I could say. Malik Allen. By the way, one of my favorite all time was a kid by the name of Taquan Dean, who was unbelievable. He was the second best shooter I ever had, and ended up going Louisville. He was phenomenal. Okay. Like I remember I, him. Mm -hmm. Yep. I could say Zenith Hamilton because, like, I tell people all the time. Zenith took us to the top. Lamar and Speedy took us over the top. Okay? So we could compete against everybody with Zenith. But Lamar and Speedy allowed us to be able to beat anyone. Okay? Mm -hmm. But the kid who I had to say would get that fifth spot, and I really believe if not for his injuries, he would have been there, is Jason Fraser. Mm. Jason Fraser was like uh, uh, Matumbo. He blocked anything around, around the rim. He ran the floor. He was the best defensive player we ever had. And when we first had him, the, the stud of the team was supposed to be his high school teammate, a kid named Tristan Thompson, who ended up going to St. John. He was coming off the bench. And what ended up happening is we go down to North Carolina and we're playing at Duke. It was the Bob Gibbons tournament. And in North Carolina, the great thing about Bob Gibbons you could you play game at North Carolina, one at NC State, and one at uh, at Duke. Yeah. So we're playing the game. A big man gets hurt. I'm trying to remember who it was. I don't know if it was like Kenny Adeleke or somebody like that to get hurt. So now I have to put Jason in the game. He held the kid in the second half to no points. The kid was Eddie Curry. Mm. And that's when I realized that, wow. So now said, okay, we're going to sacrifice offense, but now we're going to have defense. He is the second ferocious kid I ever had. They never wanted to lose. So because of what he did for us back then, and let me just say this, in 2001, because that's the year. In 2001, we won six tournaments that year. We won something that had never been done. We won what you would be considered the Triple Crown, which was the three big Adidas tournaments that summer. There was one at Hofstra. Then there was the, the Las Vegas Big Time in Vegas. Then there was the Pump and Run in L.A. We won all three. We beat Carmelo Anthony in the semi in Vegas. We beat Darren Williams. Now, you all remember, you know, Darren Williams. Uh, the yeah. We beat his team in the championship, Texas team, in L.A. We beat Chris Bosh's team uh, three times. And they had Ike Diego, who was another pro, and a kid named... Uh, what was it? Daniel Horton? I don't know if it was Daniel or the other one. They were loaded. But back then, remember that, there weren't as many teams. So teams right. came loaded. Right? Loaded, um, yeah. You know, at, at the time. I mean, you know, like the Bronx Ravens were loaded at that time. Yes. With uh, they, with uh, they, uh, they, they had Alan Ray on the team. They had Francisco Garcia, you know, on that team. They were loaded, you know, at, at, at that time. Okay, I mean, Gary, Gary the season. Gary the season. So when you had yeah. team, and guys, think about that. That's two thousand one. Okay, now let me tell you something. You know, let's reflect back on the history a little bit. We go to Bob Gibbons in the beginning of the year, and uh, we're loaded. But before that, Sebastian's brother Danny came to me and said, "Hey, Tony's gonna start a team, Gary. So we can't play with you this year because Bassy was playing with me the year before in eighth grade." So another story. Cause that'll take eight hours with Bassey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm part of that one too. Okay. Yeah, you're part of that one too. Okay. So, so I'm like, I get it. 
you know what? I understand it. With Bassey, we can win games by 20. Without him, we'll win by 10. So it's all good. That's honestly the way I looked at it. And college, as you said, you're a part of that because we thought we had Ramel Bradley. Well, mm, Ramel right. Bradley went and played with Tiny. So you think do. about the fact right. that Tiny had Sebastian. Ramel Bradley went to Kentucky. Chris, Chris Taff went to Pitt and became a pro. Mm, yep. So Tiny had three pro, and he had your boy Kamal Clark. Yep. To Miami and ended up at the park. Tiny yep. was loaded. Those were the type of teams that we had to play, to play against every single game, you know, back then. And we won. All three chips. Okay. Let me ask you this, because because you're going down a lot of New York City legends um, who played for you, uh, who dominated the summers back then. But when you look, you look now at the New York City high school divisions. Um, it's hard to find guys to find New York City products. Is that because they don't exist? Is like, what's, go what's going on with New York City prospects? Do they exist, or are they all going to prep school, or what is it? Yeah, I was going to say to you that um, they're going to prep school uh, right now. I think it's, um, it's one of the things. Uh, I was telling someone, you know, before uh, this particular story, okay, and, 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 and keep this in the context I'm about to say to you. When uh, the Dream Team went overseas and dominated everyone, what they did was they, they awoken the um, – the world and the world started to play more and it started to get better. Okay. Back then with the Lamar Odom team and the Riverside team, think about those two teams, the juggernauts. So when we were playing across the country and beating people, we awoke the rest of the country. So now mm -hmm. other people started to play. And I even remember a couple of guys that said to me, Gary, watching you guys play motivated me to get involved and start to get kids. So now let's say in Texas where kids were just playing football, now they're starting to play basketball. In Florida, right. where they were just playing football, now they're starting to play basketball. We awoke the country. So that's why I said we don't own it anymore because of that. I mean, the kids were there just that they weren't. They were playing other sports. Just like I said to you, in Long Island, we were playing other sports. And then all of a sudden, I come along now, I'm making them play basketball all year round. So that's right. what was happening across the country and everywhere else. So now we have to share that space. So our kids may not be, and then here's the next thing. Remember this, they spread all over the place, meaning that there's 2,000 teams right here. So there's a kid that could be really good, but you don't know it because he's playing on, on Jolie Bubba, okay? Yeah. But you're not, you're not realizing that. You take a look at the kid, um, uh, um, the kid out there in Long Island, I'm getting the kid's name right now, for Brentwood, all right? And so back in the days, he was playing for Riverside or someone, people would be like, oh, okay, that's what was happening. But now he's just a player, you know, a very good player on a team. A lot of our guys, here's the thing about New York, and I've said this way back when. I was asked way back when by a newspaper, yeah, what do you see the problem with grassroots and everything? And I said, you know, I don't see enough parents' involvement. The parents are there. They shove their kids out the door. And we got to go and do everything. Eh, that's a problem to me. They should support their kids. Okay. Ten years later, go by. Gang, what do you see what the problem is with grassroots? These goddamn parents, man. They're out of damn control. <laughs> I don't know why. They're, they're in everything. They're, <laughs> right. So be careful what you wish for. Right. So, yeah. so, so, so now with, with these kids, because of New York City the way it is, what do we do? We take them out the element. We move them. What's the kid a year ago that left New York from Christ the King? Um, Oh, the big kid. Big man? The big kid. Illinois? Yeah. Huh? What, right. Kid went to Illinois? No, 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 no. You talking about uh, Cissé? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cissé. So the kid was at Christ the King. What is he who goes to Memphis? Now, nah, I don't know how the hell he ended up in Memphis, but he goes to Memphis. Okay? You think about people like that. Even Cole Anthony, he left. Right. And Carl, right. you remember back in the days, because you went through it, DeMar Lamb left you and went to uh, Oak Hill. Oak Hill, right. Yeah. Like, people don't understand, Khalid had to load the teams, and you know what? Khalid had a mind for finding young kids. Khalid brought Lance Stevenson to my damn house in seventh grade. Think about that. In seventh <laughs> grade. Okay? Right. And in seventh grade, we had him playing with the older boys, with, with Danny Green and Joe Ken Noah. Mm. We had Lance playing, because Lance thing, he wasn't scared of no one. I had never right. seen a seventh grader like that. Okay? Right. Just, right. You know, that was he Lance. was a wolf. Oh, he was a wolf on the court. 
He was a whoop yeah. on the court. Period. Yep. So there are guys out there. It's just that because of what we were so used to, that we're not seeing the diamond, you know, in the rough, you know, so to speak. Okay. And here's the other thing we do. Like I heard someone talking and talking about we don't have this, we don't have that. And somebody said, Well, this is a kid in Long Island. I said, ah, that's Long Island. That's not here. Right. Yo, hold up, hold up, hold up. Where did, where did, where did Elton Grant come from? Right. Okay. But well, we claim him. Look at uh, Donovan. They do that to Donovan Mitchell, too. Donovan was, Mitchell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Dr. J. <laughs> right, right. Come on. Okay. You don't want to claim Dr. J? Okay. <laughs> All right. If you're not going to claim, if you're not going to claim the other kids in Long Island, then you can't claim Dr. J. Right, right. You understand? Like, right. Come on, man. We're New York. We're New York. You know, period. Yeah. So, um, so that's what, you know, I, I, I see. It was easy back in the days because the idea that Tiny and I had so many pros just within our two programs, you don't see that anymore because now you have a parent who has a kid. He's holding on to that kid. Now he go gets 10 other kids to surround his son. Okay. And so sometimes it's hard to see that. Now, you asked me earlier, one of the questions was, who's that kid that's coming up? And that kid is, is Imani Bates. Oh yeah, Imani Bates yeah. is the closest thing I have seen to uh, Penny Hardaway or Kevin Durant. You know, because he's like six seven, six eight. He has the handle of of a Penny. Dunks like Penny. I mean, I'm in love with this kid. And yeah, he played in your he played in your Las Vegas tournament, right? He played in our Las Vegas tournament. He had 35. Okay. He had 35 in one of the preliminary games. <laughs> he wow. wasn't even like the headliner. He was in one of the preliminary games, but he was unreal. I said, what? So to me, he's the number one player regardless of class. Okay. He's mm. yeah, he's he's that good. And I wonder about him because he's been, you know, he's been on the radar for so long. You know, he's one of those guys who's like, damn, he's still in high school? Because you've heard about him for so long. Do you think are you worried about that at all? Like in terms no, of No, because you know what? I I uh, I see the hunger in him. I see the way the father is with him. Okay, because that's the other thing. Uh that I evaluate, okay? Uh, now, like, I'll give you a quick story. And again, Kali uh, was part of this in that, in 2001, I already told you our team, how good we were. Well, we had Lenny Cook, okay? You know, also back then. And um, we had lost a rubble in the Bronx, right here. We lost a rubble in the Bronx, but Lenny got thrown out. I go back to uh, my boys, Nate Cadigan, one of my assistants, and Sterling Nunnally, right? And we go to Tyrone Green's house. Tyrone Green was like a, was like, he was my guy. And he's the one actually that bought me uh, Joe Kim Miller. So we had his house. Tyrone was also the guy that bought me Lenny Cook two years before. I said, Ty, I have to make a decision. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, I got to take somebody off the team. And and uh, this, there's, uh, it was three guys. It was Lenny and two other guys. And I'll tell you who they are in a minute. And he said, I said, because I don't think they're going to be able to play together because one of the kids, um, now that he's going to be out of prep school, I was going to need him to play too. So now it's going to be you know, a problem with the team, so to speak. He said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to take Lenny Cook off the team. So Nate Cadigan fell off the couch. And he said, <laughs> Charles, are you out of your damn mind? He's the number one player in the country. What are you thinking of? And I said, here's the thing, Nate. He doesn't want to listen. And eventually, he's going to self-destruct. I am tired of him having to have a shopping match after, every, you know, doing the game, me taking him out, doing the timeouts, whatever. And he still ends up with his 35, okay? But he just wanted to score. I'm trying to win, too. So... So I think we're better off letting them go early than late because otherwise we're going to hinder the other kids because Lenny was such a dominating figure that the other kids weren't going to get a chance to grow. And I felt that by taking Lenny off, I was going to give those, those other two a chance to grow okay? because I believed in it. But the other thing I believe in, guys, was, you know, and no disrespect to anyone, but the upbringing and the people yeah. Yeah, surrounding them also. I felt was going to be a positive impact. So one of the kids was Curtis Sumner, okay? 
whose parents were one of the best parents I've ever dealt with in my life. And I remember when, um, and then there was a, a woman by the name of Debbie Wharton. Debbie was terrific. And Debbie had been coaching, believe it or not, my six and another team the year before with Lenny and uh, Curtis. And so, but, but now her son wasn't getting that much playing time on our team. So she wanted to do her own thing. It's okay. Right. And you go Wolfpack. play with Debbie. All right. Remember that? So yeah, she started the Wolfpack. Yep. She started the Wolfpack. There you go. Yep. So I said, Lenny, you can go play with, with Debbie. All right. And Curtis has said, look, coach, I got a chance to go play with Debbie now. Don't screw me, coach. Because he wasn't getting as much playing time because, you know, some of the other guys. I said, Kirk, I'm not going to start you. You're going to get an opportunity. I believe in you. Now you have to believe in yourself. Cool. Well, who was the other kid? Because there's another kid, right? I said it was three kids. So who was the other kid that I decided to keep over Lenny? Well, that kid turned out to be Charlie Vinoway, okay, who ends up playing in the league for 12 years. Right. right? Doubt now, people might look at it now and say, well, that was easy. No, it wasn't. Not then. Lenny Cook was LeBron before LeBron. He was the number mm -hmm. one player in the country, could do whatever he wanted to. Lenny Cook might be the only player that I've ever coached in which when we stepped on the floor, we were already 10 points ahead because they feared him that much. Mm. That was Lenny Cook, okay? So that's what's so messed up about Lenny. Lamar Odom is the only kid I ever coached in which he didn't have to score a point to be the best player on the floor. But Lenny Cook wow. was a kid. We were up 10 before the ball even went up. People feared him that much. Fear factor. Yeah. He was a man child. He was definitely a man child. Hey, it was unreal. It was unreal. Hey, hey Guy, yep. how, do you, how do you think that the uh, circuit's going to be looking after COVID? Like after, you know, when the spring, when spring pops up again and, you know, God willing, things might get somewhat back to normal. How do you think the circuit is going to look? Because remember before that, before all of this went down, there were scandals going on. So um, I think the pandemic has allowed people in some ways to forget about the scandal, so to speak, okay? Right. Last year, um, because of the scandal, we were not allowed to have college coaches in Vegas for right. the first time after nine years. We still ended up with 600 teams. Now, remember what I told you, when we started out, nine out of the 12 tournaments we went through in a year were during the dead period. Back in those days, tournaments ran until the end of October. Hell, they, they, they damn near ran the week before high school started back then, all right? So a point that I'm making is that last year, we had Imani Bates, we had Kate Cunningham's team, we had and this team was phenomenal. We had the kid Jalen Suggs, who was phenomenal. I thought I was watching OJ Mayo all over again, you know. And the, the number one player in the country right now, Chet Holmgren, they were playing. John Kaminga was playing for the Texas team. So he was out mm. there, you know, you know, playing. So the kid, McKeel Maker, that just committed to Hollywood, was a top 15, he was playing. Then you had LeBron's son, Ronnie, and LeBron in the gym for every game. We had 600 wow. million views for the big time during wow. the dead period. So when you ask me a question like that, man, it's gonna be like a, a fire hydrant and you open it up. <laughs> okay? Because people can't wait. Because you know what? Your kids, all you know how to do is play. And you tell right. them to, you know, to stay inside. Now, here's the other thing, guys. Remember this. We're not playing here in New York. But those Republican states are playing. Yeah, they're playing in Florida, yeah. right? Florida's yeah. playing. Georgia's yeah. been playing. Texas has been playing. Indiana's been playing. They've been playing. Right. And I've had calls from people saying, well, look, a lot of states are not going to start till January. Come on, Gary. You're doing something, right? So they cannot wait to get out the gate. Now, here's the issue now. The issue's going to be if high school starts in January, well, when will it end? Because now you're going to overlap into the right. grassroots season. Right. That's where the conflict is. How will they do that schedule? But there's no doubt that if the virus is over, 
teams are going to be out there, you know, playing. Will there be some parents who are nervous? Absolutely. I would be. Okay. Right. But uh, again, so let's say instead of 800 teams, maybe you get 400 teams or 500 teams, but teams are going to go out there and play. Mm. So, so you didn't play in Vegas this year? No, we canceled. You know, we canceled our, our event. Uh, the, thank God it was the right thing to do. And, mm-hmm. and uh, the governor, the governor has said, hey, you know, we prefer for you not to, uh, you know, to do anything. And uh, it just made, it made it easier in my life not to jump on a plane. I mean, you know, right. I'm not sure if I've left, if I've been more than 10 feet away here, you know, since March, you know, from my office <laughs> over here, okay? I, you know, I'm not, I'm not playing. You know, I don't know how much time, you know, God has left for me, man, but I'm trying to hold on to him. So, how do you think? How do you think the circuit is going to look like? Is is, uh, you know, assuming that there's still an EYBL, but you think Under Armour and Adidas will still exist? Yeah, yeah, they will. Um, Under okay. Armour is going to be a little tougher, but I also know Puma is trying to get in the game too. So, okay. So if all of a sudden Under Armour doesn't, you know, come in, then all of a sudden, you know, Puma might jump into into that lane. Okay. Right. And the other thing is this and that, and and I, I chuckle sometimes with people like, well, you're gonna have to go back to the days the way we started. And a lot of these guys don't know how to do that. Cause you know, no. their whole life they'd be getting that shoe deal, you know, money. Right. But the mom the mom and pop shop, it's gonna be no different to them. They'll be playing. Yeah. Because so the studs will just find a way to go in the mom and pop shop. So the kids will be playing. Right. Right. What are some right. what are some other kids besides Bates? You know, young kids that really have caught your eye. Well, um, the young boy uh, in uh, uh, San Diego. It's amazing. My mind just went blank. Yeah, he plays with uh, uh, Compton Magic, and he's uh, oh, uh, you, huh? Not Mikey. Mikey, yeah, Mikey. the freshman. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mikey's yeah. a social. Mikey, my apologies, Mikey. All right, and uh, <laughs> yeah, your god sister Shay will kill me. Uh, sorry, I drew a blank. He quick. just tra- he oh. just transferred to he just transferred to a school in Carolina. Right. Oh, did he make it official? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yep. yeah. He just transferred uh, to a school in Carolina. Yep. I've been so busy, guys, with uh, my new organization, ABIS. I have to admit to you. I yeah. Know. When did when did yep. this happen? What day was this? Uh, I think they made the announcement yesterday, right? Okay, that oh, makes yeah, sense. A couple days ago, yep. Yeah, because that makes yeah. sense. Why yeah. I don't know? Because I was just on the phone with Shay uh, a week ago. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. He's real though. I like Mikey. Now I think Mikey's issue is gonna be is he going to grow? Okay, I think right. that, you know, that's the thing. Now I like the kid Chet Holmgren. I really do. I do like, you know, Chet. Uh Chet's issue is gonna be he's gotta gain strength uh on his body. But let me say this to you last year. He was the coolest white kid I had ever seen. He <laughs> he, he was walking on that floor with that he was walking with our slut. He was doing our slut better than us. You know, out there, I'm like, what the, yo. We, we, we saw one with a lot of swag last night playing for Miami, baby. Oh, oh. Tyler Hero. Yeah. Oh, Tyler Hero, man. Same type of sport, so exactly. And yeah. uh, so I like, I like um, you know, Chet. He's a seven-footer, right? Chet? He's a seven-footer. Yeah. I like him. Mm. You know, Patrick Baldwin okay. is good. Patrick Baldwin okay. is good. The kid out of uh, uh, Milwaukee. You know, he's, okay. uh, you know, he's good. You know, there's a, there's a couple kids, you know, out there, and I felt bad for them because they didn't get an opportunity. There were some kids I right. thought maybe had a chance to move up. They didn't get those, you know, those opportunities, man. It's, it's, you know what, it's tough. You know, and guys, by the way, I, I really like Brian. You know, and as I said to um, LeBron, you know, last year, uh, I gave him a nickname of Subtle because everything he did was just so subtle. But all the right thing, the right pass, shoot at the right time, run the floor on the lane at the right you know pace. He never says a word to the referee. He just go and go on to the next. They have done a phenomenal job with that kid, all right. And what I was trying to remind people a year ago is like he's 14 years old, y'all. You know, give him a chance. I mean, right. LeBron James come across once a decade, if that. Like, stop comparing him to his dad. His dad, when it's all said and done, you can make an argument, will be the number one player of all time. Right. So right. let's not 
do that to, to this young man. Let's allow him to be him, okay? The growth, it's, yep. it's amazing in what social media has created, all right? And he's just been, he's, I like him. I like him. Yeah. I, like, I just like his subtleness. And if he grows. Right. Which you would think he has a growth spurt in him because of LeBron. You would think he has a growth spurt in him because of his dad and everything else. So, you know, if he grows, boom. Look, listen, Lamar Odom in one summer grew, what was it, like seven to eight inches? Yes, wow. you never know. You never know. That's like Anthony Davis. There you go. Anthony Davis, same thing. Anthony yeah, Davis, 6'2. We're on with Gary Charles. Let me just run down his credentials real quick again, in case you missed it. Grassroots basketball legend, founder, coach, New York Panthers, ABC, D Camp, assistant director, Wall Street exec. Founder, president of Las Vegas Fab 48, big time 20. And finally, and most recently, founder of Advancement of Blacks in Sports. Um, talk to us about that a little bit. Like what, what, what got you to, to form that, that organization and what are you guys trying to do? ABIS, we call it that ABIS, um, for short, to, uh, you know, for people out there. Like you said, Advancement of Blacks in Sports. When I watched the George Floyd uh, situation, I really felt that I just watched a lynching, you know, on the screen. I could not believe this was going on in 2020. Okay, I was in shock. But I was tired of talking the talk. I, I felt that we needed to walk the walk, okay? And um, I put a video out and the video went viral. And in the video, I said to the white people, I said, I understand right now because we're protesting, you're uncomfortable. But I understand it as black people, we're uncomfortable every day. I understand that you're upset because we're burning some buildings and no one's saying that we should be doing that. But I wish your ancestors felt the same way when they burned down Black Wall Street in Tustin, when they burned down Rosewood, Florida, a whole town, both right. of them. I wish they would have felt the same way, all right? White coaches, your silent is coming out very loud to me. But black coaches, what are we gonna do about it? grassroots coaches? What are we gonna do? We possess the oil and we keep giving it away. Right. It's all about the money. What about HBCU? Did we ever consider maybe sending some of our guys to HBCU to help them out? That's how quickly things would change. So that, that was the premises of it. So I reached out to Coach Dave Lado from the ball who uh, everyone knows were my closest you know, buddies. I reached out to Leonard Hamilton, who most of you don't know is a very close friend of mine from uh, Florida State. Then I reached out to some of the grassroots community, but the top shoe guys, because let me explain something to you and what people don't understand. Because I had guys, you know, man, you didn't call me. Because let me tell you why. 1% of the country makes the decision for the other 99% of the country. So I need to start with the top guys before I can get to you on. Because if I brought y'all on, no one's listening. But people will listen to that top 1%. Because if I told you guys who you'll think make this decision in, 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 in college basketball, if I, if I ask you for five names, most of us will, will probably pick the five names that who they are. So college, if I said to you, give me three names that, that have the authority in college basketball, who are three of the schools we say, or three coaches you would say? You got to go Coach K. You got to go uh, uh, my guy in Kentucky, Calipari. Maybe Roy Williams. Um, Self, you want maybe. Four? Oh, Bill Self, absolutely. Um, who's five? Izzo. Mm. Oh, yeah, Tom Izzo. You Michigan understand? State. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, but my point yep. is they're the decision makers. Okay, yep. so I needed to start with some of the top black division one coaches and the top grassroots coaches. So that's how we started that. But as we were talking and bonding, because now it's about bonding and we're talking about situation that we're in. And, and as I said to these guys, you guys eventually want to become coaches. I'm talking about the grassroots coaches. But if you don't help these guys, there's not going to be any spots for you to come to. So we need to help each other out. And no one is telling you you have to force it. But I'll give you an example. These kids get five visits. One of those visits can't go to a black coach. One right. out, of, out of the five? Really? So anyway, the more we talked about, the more these guys like, wow, you know what, you're right. 
Then I said, hey, guys, let's reach out to the women. So I asked Coach Lennon Hamilton to reach out to Vivian Selena. He did. I asked Dave later to reach out to Dawn Staley. He did. Now we have both of them on. Coach Slinger called me because I said to Coach Slinger, Coach Slinger, I was at Cheney State when you were coach. And she was like, what? So immediately after the call, she calls me. And now we start to reminisce. And she said to me, there's a woman I need you to call. I said, who's that? She said, her name is Felicia Paul uh, Allen. And she said, yeah, she knows everyone. She can help. So I did. They laid on our call her. The best call I ever made. Because now she brought me 35 more women coaches. Mm. Okay? Mm. The Nikki Fargus of LSU. Joni Taylor of Georgia. Okay? The Jackie Carson of Furman. Charmaine Smith, Kyle Berkley. I mean, just on and on and on and on. I'm like, whoa. I mean, this woman is like powerful. And then I said, we cannot call ourselves advancement of blacks in sports and we just doing basketball. I have a bigger vision. And Lennon, it's like, come on, guy. I'm like, Lennon. We have to push on. And he's like, man, your vision is much bigger than mine. And I reached out to baseball. Now we have Bo Porter is, uh, is the lead, our lead guy for baseball. He brought in Willie Randolph, Gary Sheffield, mm-hmm. the Andre Dawson, a, manager, the, the, a former manager from the Baltimore Orioles. And let me just say this. And just because there's advancement for black sports does not exclude whites or anyone else. This is for anyone that is prepared to help advance blacks in sports, okay? Right. So we have track and field now, gymnastic. I have the phone earlier from the, a head coach from, from Temple who coaches fencing. I didn't know blacks were in fencing. So now, <laughs> now she's gonna be on our Zoom tonight. So I have fencing, gymnastic, okay? So the, the, one of the gentlemen that's on track and field from Florida, he's gonna be the national Olympic coach. He's on the group. So these are the, top, these are the type of people that are part of our organization because you know what? They're strengthening numbers. It's so important for people to know that we're in this together. And you know what, guys? I think the best thing I've seen with everyone is that my first email, I said, we're all kings and queens. But please, leave your ego at the door because this isn't about you. This is about us. And the people have been phenomenal about that. What do you need me to do, Gary? Like, I am so impressed with Mike Anderson from St. John. Mike has just been like 007. You barely know he's there, but he's there. Right. He just mm-hmm. listened. Then he go, I'm like, Mike, what do you need, Gary? Mike, I need, I'm on it, Gary. Unreal. Like, just good, good people. And God, let me tell you this. Kwanzaa Martin? When I say electric speaker, I didn't know that until I met him. Kwanzaa was phenomenal. You know, and then we have our couple OGs, the Leonard Hamilton, the uh, Kelvin Sampson. You know, I call, I always tease Leonard. I say, you know, Leonard, you're like our Frankie Beverly. All the blacks know you, but the whites don't. Okay? That's true. You know, mm-hmm. you are OG. Yeah. So it's been phenomenal to, to see the people to come on there. A couple of weeks ago, we had a guy come in. His name is Euless Payne. Come to find out, Euless Payne is the first African-American to have been named a CEO of a Major League Baseball team, Milwaukee Buers. Wow. We've had conversation with the Biden campaign. They've come on to speak. Now, the only thing we're talking about is voting because we're a 501c, so we're not trying to mess up our 501c. Right. But the idea that they thought enough of, of us to come and speak. Mm-hmm. Greg Robinson, who is now the executive director of NABC, and Michelle Obama's brother came on and spoke. So, and people are listening because we're trying to accomplish, you know, something. We're not just talking the talk, man. We're walking the walk. We're making some things happen. We met a couple of times the Black Caucus about legislation because we could say whatever we want. But unless we, we get some, you know, some of this legislation stuff to happen, it doesn't mean anything, all right? And so I can't just keep coming on these Zoom calls with my nice suit on and my hat and, 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 and you know, and just talking for the sake of talking. We have, some, we have to make some things happen. And that's what right. we're trying to do. All right. Gary, really appreciate it. We want to take up all your time today. 
Because yeah. I got things to do. <laughs> you were gen generous enough to give us an hour. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, you, off, you're the first one. You're the first one. Hey, yes. hey, 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 hey. Have it up again. Hey. Word up. Hey, hey, Jamal, he knows I was a killer if I, if I wasn't. <laughs> Word up. <laughs> up man, next, my guy. Up next. Uh, right next, and we, we'll uh, we'll call on you again. Hopefully, we get you back on here sometime soon. I'm here, fellas. All right, I'm here. All right, hey, I'll see you tonight on the Zoom. Okay, baby. All right, all right. Take care, guys. All right, take care. All right. Take care. All right.